Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, a show where we explore the world of sport and deconstruct the tools and ethos of world-class athletes to create growth and optimize business. I'm Noel Allnut, the Managing Director at Securo. And today I'll be talking to former professional cricket player, Brett Lee. As a young man, Brett was determined to be the best version of himself that he possibly could and used this mind frame and focus to push himself to succeed in sport and to overcome serious injury. Brett has taken this frame of mind into every aspect of his life to help him shine and succeed. Building Resilience Podcast. Brett Lee, welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. Thanks very much for joining the show. Absolute pleasure. Great to be on. That's awesome. So, look, I'm so excited to uh, to talk to you today. I guess what we want to talk about is resilience and, and how you've come back from setbacks. But to set the scene, it'd be awesome to hear how you went from backyard cricket in Wollongong to being the fastest bowler in the world. <laughs> well, look, mate, it's... Um I sort of think back to one of my first memories, about six in the backyard, and uh, it wasn't uh, until my older brother Shane, who you know, um, threw me a tennis ball and said, bowl to me. And I said, well, how do you do that? He said, just hold your hands like a seesaw, go up, go down, and then see how you go. And so for the next probably two or three years, we just mucked around as most kids do. We kicked a ball, we threw a ball. But at the age of nine, that's when I first started playing um, what I call competitive cricket. So that was when I fell in love with cricket, uh, played in a team environment, which I loved. You know, I loved being out there with my teammates and, com- you know, com- competing against different uh, opponents. Um, and then you fast forward to the age of 23, and that's when I played for Australia. But it was that journey um, that was so tough from the age of 9 to 23 to get to that end goal. And that end goal was to wear the baggy green cap and the bowl 160 Ks, but it took me so many setbacks, you know, broken backs, broken elbows, um, ankle surgery, a lot of people saying I wasn't good enough. But when I was nine, I committed. I trained my brain to make sure that uh, nothing was going to stop me and that end goal was going to happen. Some amazing achievements, bearing in mind the some of the setbacks that you went through. Um, what was the mindset that you had in order to achieve all of those goals? What was it that made you take get out of bed in the morning and and strive to achieve what you did? Look, I think I think it came from my you know my parents. I'm, I'm very, very close to mum and dad. Mum was dad, dad will probably argue this, but mum was the athlete in the family. She was a sprinter. Uh, so we probably got our fast switch fibers from mum and, and dad was the, the sort of never say die attitude. He, he instilled all this mental strength in us and that um, resilience, you know, how to overcome adversity, all those types of things. So I think the combination of being blessed with some, some good genes, but also dad just every single day take us down the nets. Um, you know, we had to improve every single day. We had to try and work on something new. Um, trying to be the best version of us, and Dad wasn't worried about us playing for Australia. It wasn't about that. That 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 wasn't the the end goal for him. The end goal for him was to for us to have fun and to do the very very best that we can. I know that sounds like a cliche, but he he believed that if we um, well, without using a cliche, you know, well, if we aim for the stars, we might land on the moon type of thing. Yeah. But that, that Dad's philosophy was. We have to train smarter than everyone. We have to train harder than anybody else. We have to hit more balls, bowl more balls, make sure that we're stronger, make sure that we're doing things differently. 
And even though that dad never played cricket, he quickly worked out the skill set and then the mindset, which was probably the most important thing that we had to achieve in order to get that goal. Yeah, that consistency of hard work is something that keeps coming up over and over again. Mm. By the time you get out on the pitch, you've gone through the motions so many times in the nets or on the field, um, on the practice field, that it just becomes natural to be throwing 110% at it because it's it's what you always do. In terms of some of the setbacks, I've heard stories that you uh, once played with a broken arm and you're still bowling around 130Ks. <laughs> That's no mean feat. What, what goes through your mind where you go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still walk on the pitch today and, uh, and give somebody hell? Well, look, my, my uh, attitude towards sport and definitely life was as long as I gave it a crack and as long as no one could come out and say that, I was ever soft. Uh, I never put in. I never put the team first. That's what I wanted to get out of sport. It wasn't about records for me. It wasn't about, you know, getting over 300 test wickets. It was nothing to do with that. It was having the ability to play at that top level if I was good enough. But knowing that I was the guy on the field that worked extremely hard and I was committed to the team and I was committed to making me the best person on the field that I could be. So, um, you know, when I when I broke my back, uh, I did all the rehab and I was literally like nine to 12 months out of the game for Australia. You know, fought so hard to get back into the team, got my strengths back, did all the ab work, did all the uh, rehabilitation work. And then I was a couple of games into it and I threw a ball in Perth. And as I threw the ball, my arm completely snapped in half. And Steve Wall, my captain, he looked at me and said, warm up your bowling. So my mindset was, I can't just say no. You know, I've, I've got to be able to bowl somehow because I don't want the guys thinking that I'm soft and I don't want the guys thinking that I can't play this level because my body can't handle it. So I somehow got the courage to run in and bowl knowing that and my arm was blue. I could hardly even feel it. It was killing. And I bowled four balls. I went from my first spell was about 150 Ks down to about 130 Ks. And Steve Wall said, what's up? <laughs> I said, I think I've broken my arm. He goes, well, bloody get off. Get off and have a look. Get it checked out. And sure enough, I completely snapped through the bone and the flexitennial medial ligament were up in the shoulder. And McGrath, my uh, fellow teammate, Glenn, came up and said, do you know you still bowl quicker than me, which I'm spewing about with a broken arm? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's that mental strength. And that's, that's, what, that's what business, that's what sport, that's what life's about. You, you know, you need talent, but it's all upstairs. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, having that having that mindset of, of winning, having that mindset of, of of overachieving, and just giving yourself, giving you, giving it your all every single week is is so vital. Um, did you have any processes that you followed that were unique to Brettley, or any advice that you were given that you followed around your recovery? Because recovery is something that comes up time and time again to, to get match fit from these setbacks. Did you follow any process around that? No, not, not really. I, th- I think in hindsight, if I was to look back, I, w- I would have probably stretched a lot more. Um, but that, that said too, that, I, you know, I think that, you know, you often hear people say that stretching is preparing your muscle to tear. So you've got to be somewhat highly strung, but somewhat supple enough to, to, to play the game. Um, I probably wouldn't change a lot of things that I did. Mainly, mainly for me, it, it, the the recovery process was sleep and I still believe uh, sleep, hydration 
and the correct food is is the best way to recover from any game. You know, you can put put them in ice baths, and I don't believe in all that crap. I think it's all rubbish. Um, I always see ice from the inside when you're having a drink after the game. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's a matter of um, being able to prepare yourself for the next day and. Mine was sleep, get my eight to 10 hours sleep in, uh, making sure I'm, I'm fueled up and making sure hydration because hydration for me was the key. If I was dehydrated, well, then I was a chance of tearing muscles and not performing the way I could. So, yeah, that, that was my sort of inner strength that I used to do rather than all these different warm downs and yogas and these types of things. Yeah, it's really interesting. When I interviewed Anthony Minicello, he was talking about his injuries and setbacks, and he also had issues with his back. Mm. And he said the biggest thing he noticed around the recovery was he recovered a lot quicker when he was eating his mum's home food uh, versus <laughs> when he was uh, walking around Bondi eating eating all sorts of an evening. So it's uh, it, yeah. that, that nutrition's huge. Um, did you have any role models in your career that you that you look to emulate and, and take advice from? Yeah, well, I was very family orientated, like my older brother Shane. So Shane proved that he could be a New South Wales player first. Shane proved that he could play for Australia first in, in the family. So I thought, well, if my brother can do it, well, why, you know, why can't I? You know, why can't I emulate what Shane's done? And when you think about it, break it down, you know, you've essentially got more chance of going into your local news agency, buying a lottery ticket, and winning eighty million dollars in the Powerball. That's you know you got better odds of doing that than than what you have playing for your country. So for it to happen once in the family, you think well the odds are stacked up against you. But I followed his processes. You know he he broke things down pretty pretty simply. Um, you know he, his work ethic for training was outstanding, and that's that's one thing that I try to sort of copy and I guess emulate. Um, spoke about my father before, and my, you know mum and dad have been instrumental to allow us to fulfill our dreams but had a guy from South Africa called Alan Donald one of Australia uh, yep. one of South Africa's greatest fast bowlers white lightning he was he was my hero growing up I loved his approach I loved his run up I loved the way he got the bats from his face and um, to this day I still wear the white sweatband because Alan Donald wore one. Oh, there you go it's, it's awesome to have a hero have you met your hero and is he a good bloke he's a great fella I played against him in Perth uh, Australia versus South Africa and I I took him down at 27 off one over and he came up to me and goes, I thought I was your bloody hero. Why are you trying to hit me out of the game? I said, sorry, mate. <laughs> but he's a, he's a terrific guy. You know, they always say don't meet your heroes because they can turn out to be not what you expected to be. But he was, you know, above and beyond a terrific fellow. We've become good friends out of it. And, um, yeah, you know, someone that you can look up to. And that's the thing. Everyone's got a hero. There's nothing wrong with having someone to, to look up to. And, and you know, like – Great songwriters, they take a little piece from from something or, you know, like a, a, a moment or a memory. Like sports people, you take something from someone's action and make that into your action and, you know, you try and be the best version of you. Oh, that's awesome. You've um, you've had successful careers in um, acting and media for, post your cricket career and now obviously you do a lot of charity work as well. Are there any traits that you had from your cricket career that you've taken into the other careers that you've had and, and what you're doing today? Uh, good question. Um, very good question because I think there are a lot of things that we can take from the sporting field that will allow us to be successful in business, um, successful in running great charities that are going to get the right money to the right people. Um, for me, it was that tenacity, that that never say die attitude, that commitment, um, that 
just when you think something's too hard, there's always a way to to get through those, those tough moments. Um, but I also think in a team environment, it's it's funny. So cricket's made up of eleven individuals playing in a team environment. So you have to do your own skill extremely well in order to help the team. And cricket's a bit of a different game where other sports, you know, it's it's total teamwork. But the great thing about cricket is that you have to nail your skill and then rely on someone else to then help you with that skill so that it might be their catch behind the wicket, it might be their catch, it might be the run out, it might be the running between the wickets. So a lot of the stuff that I've learned through cricket has um, – and, and mainly the setbacks – you know, mainly having someone say, you aren't good enough. Um, just like the saying, you know, you're not quick enough. You're not fit enough. You're not doing this, you're not doing that. And I've had people tell me that my whole life. So when that happens in business, I'm like, okay, well, I've heard this before. Whereas a lot of other people might think, oh, well, I'm not good enough. I'm going to be all depressed and I'm going to be not in a good space. Um, yeah, everyone gets down at, at different times, but you just got to commit. You just got to go, no, if this is what I believe in, and if you do, I know people say this, but if you do believe in something, you can definitely achieve it, 100%. I'm so glad you've said that, Brett, for our audience, because I've seen it in business and you, I've seen it in junior sport as well. And you hear so many stories of people who almost got there mm. and just gave up. And then you have other scenarios where people didn't give up and just at the point they thought they were going to have to and they kept going they break through the other side yeah and then just go on to achieve great things so having that passion but also having that resilience to actually say you know what this is just a down point yeah um, i can get to the other side because i care enough i work hard enough yeah um, it, that's that's where the magic happens on the other side of those uh, those setbacks definitely and, it, and it's almost like you know you always hear people saying um geez, that guy was talented. Geez, that girl was talented. You never hear someone say, oh, geez, that person had such a great work ethic or geez, that person was so committed. It's always the other way around. You know, it's, it's never that. It's always someone was so, um, so much talent, but they didn't have upstairs to then carry on and execute the plan. So I try and flip things around the other way. And that's what I try to tell my son who's 15. And, you know, when I go and chat to, to, to young kids coming through school, um, have a dream. A dream is great. Don't let anyone crush your dream. And, and failure. Failure. Don't be scared to fail because if you don't push your body, like the reason why I think I achieved bowling 161Ks was because I pushed my body till I literally snapped in half. And I see so many people these days, and certainly coaches and, and computer analysts and all that type of stuff, they go, oh, you're on the verge of breaking. Well, yeah, fine. Let's break. Let's, let's see where that end point is. Don't leave that little sweet spot where it, it might get too hard or I might tear a muscle or I might break a bone. Of course, you don't want to break a bone or tear a muscle, but at least you set that ceiling point of where that end point or that end goal is. And that's, that's the reason why I... I went flat out every single ball because I knew where that end point was. So my 80% might be someone else's 100%. Yeah, I think there's many batsmen around the world as uh, has felt that uh, felt that 100% coming in at a, at a rate of knots. Um, I know Pierce Morgan did. <laughs> oh, mate, you, you, I could have watched your ball at that bloke all day. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy. Um, I saw a great uh, video actually on social media of you uh, taking your son's middle stump over <laughs> over Christmas. I could have, I can, I feel for that guy as well. Um, 
<laughs> One final question, and thank you very much for, for joining the show today. How would Brett Lee define resilience? Resilience to me is, is the commitment to you, yourself as a person, um, when you know the chips are down and you know that it's going to be bloody hard to get through that next period. So um, whether it's injury, whether it's a setback um, through your business, whether it's a setback in your personal life, the resilience is having that, um, that power, having that mindset to smash through that wall to achieve it. And that might be, that might be time. You know, you might need time in some things. You know, you might have to give your relationship some time in order to grow. Um, you know, the, the boss might say, you're not right for this goal right now, but if you come back in six months' time and then you go back and then you work on all these things. Resilience first is never, ever giving up, never being okay with 80%. If you give 100%, and that's not good enough. Well, that's not good enough, but that's good enough for, you know, for, for me as a person. My 100%, and I know where I, when I give 100%, and everyone knows, and you, know, you look yourself in the mirror and you know deep down whether you've done it or you've taken a little shortcut. Resilience to me is being able to keep coming back day in, day after, and achieving that goal that you desire to achieve. Thank you, Brett. That's, a, that's an outstanding uh overview of uh, of resilience and uh, I couldn't agree more with so much of that so thank you I think that's going to be really valuable to the listeners to be inspired by somebody like yourself who has been there been the been at the top of their game and that kind of passion and, and your own resilience really comes through in in what you said so thank you absolute pleasure great to be on cheers thanks Brett Thanks for listening to the Building Resilience podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks to our guest today, Brett Lee. I appreciate your time. Thank you to our sponsor, Securo. Securo, trust tomorrow. If you'd like to know more about me or Securo, you can head to securo.io. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group.